0: We wrote that in, like, even the first edition, and we talked about that, but that kind of got lost, and a lot of people, they were like, well, gosh, I did my 20-minute test, and I subtracted 5%, and it's still really high compared to what I can do for an hour, and, you know, they just kind of forgot the fact that, well, you really need to do these other tests first, and if you don't do that, at least do a five-minute, you know, where you just blow it out for five minutes. That Traflon Show 184.
1: Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of That Traflon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictraflon.com. I'm your host Michael and on today's episode I interview Hunter Allen who is back for a repeat interview. Hunter was first on the show back in episode 103 so definitely go and check that out after listening to this one if you uh, missed that when when it was out. Uh, But for those of you who are not familiar, just quickly, Hunter is the head coach and founder of Peaks Coaching Group and he is famously the co-author together with Dr. Andrew Cogan and Dr. Steven McGregor Of arguably the most widely recognized cycling training book in the world, which is Training and Racing with a Power Meter. So, Hunter and his colleagues have now released the third edition of this book to keep up to date with the recent developments in that field. And he joins us here to discuss Training and Racing with a Power Meter, updated for 2019. So, that is both the book, but of course, more so the concept of Training and Racing with a Power Meter. Before we get into the interview, big thanks to our sponsors, Precision Hydration, that you can find on PrecisionHydration.com. They make electrolyte supplements that match how you sweat, and that's made them official partners of, for example, Hotroot and Olympic athletes like Ashton Eaton and Stuart Hayes, as well as team sports clubs like Wolverhampton Wanderers in the, in the English Premier League. So they have a lot of great things going on. Check them out on their website, PrecisionHydration.com, and take... Their free online sweat test to get an individualized hydration strategy for you, and use the promo code that show all one word, all caps, to get your first box or tube for free. And thank you to Roca that you can find on roca.com. Roca makes wetsuits, dry suits, buoyancy shorts and goggles, and uh, high performance eyewear as well. And I love all of Roca's products, but if I have to pick one, then I would definitely pick the Roca Maverick X Wetsuit, because it's just so ridiculously fast. I recently raced in Challenge Lisbon, so that's a half-distance race, and I had a breakthrough swim, really. I was the sixth male, amateur male, out of the water, uh, 16th male if we include the pros as well, when usually in races of that size I have been around the 30th or something like that after the swim leg. And... Sure, it's definitely mostly due to consistent, structured, and effective training. That's where uh, the 90% or 95% of of that improvement comes from. But every last second counts, and I'm sure that using the Roka Maverick X wetsuit, as well as the R1 goggles, which makes my sighting uh, quite a bit more effective and I lose less momentum each time I sight, I guess that that equipment configuration, I would estimate, gives me two seconds per 100 meters or so, compared even to my previous best equipment configuration that I've had in races. And that is a lot. It's uh, 40 seconds or so. And uh, whether your goal is the overall podium or a personal best for, for the distance for you yourself and you're not interested in, in placements... That makes, makes a significant difference when you can take almost one minute off with uh, better equipment. So whether you're looking for a wetsuit, trisuit, or goggles, or high-performance eyewear, check them out on roka.com and get 20% off your entire order with the promo code TTS, all caps. So without any further ado, let's get into the interview with Hunter Allen. Welcome to That travel Show, Hunter Allen
0: hey well i'm glad to be here thanks for having me on
1: i'm glad to have you back and uh, it's a timely interview with the uh, timing with the book of with the book release of training and racing with a power meter the third edition uh, has happened pretty recently and uh, for those listeners that didn't catch your last interview on the show by the way that's episode 103 so people can go and check that episode out as well uh, but uh, just to start off can you give us a brief introduction of who you are for people that may not may not know you
0: sure sure i'm uh so i'm hunter allen i'm the co-author of training and racing with a power meter this is the third edition and uh also was the uh co-developer of wko software and co-founder of training peak software uh and uh then i also own peaks coaching group so uh, uh i've been working coaching athletes now for over 20 years and uh been at the forefront of training with a power meter since oh gosh since we lost or since we launched cycling Peaks software which was the original training peaks wko back in 2003 so it's been a lot of fun and, uh, and hopefully helped a lot of people
1: yeah cool and, and what is uh, your what are the main things that you do these days is it mostly the peaks coaching group stuff the coaching and camps or do you, are you still involved with training peaks wko somehow
0: no, no, I've uh, I sold all my uh, in, all my equity out of Training Peaks and uh, a couple of years ago, and so now just doing Peaks Coaching Group, which is uh, you know really fun. It's uh, something that I've been doing for the whole time, and uh, we have fifty coaches now, and uh, we do camps, six, seven camps around the around the uh, country and world. And at the same time, we also uh, coach athletes all the way from beginners to riders in the Tour de France, World Championships, Ironman, uh, Kona, everything you can imagine.
1: Yeah, that, that sounds great. And we'll, of course, link to that and people can go and check out the camps. For example, we're talking about some potential new camps that you have coming up that... Uh, I won't disclose here uh, because I don't know if, if that's official yet, but uh, <laughs> you have uh, camps in many different exciting locations. So so people can go and, and have a look on the website and, and keep following that. So let's talk about the third edition now, the new edition of Training and Racing with a Power Meter, which is one of the classic books in endurance sports, in cycling and triathlon. Just give us an overview of what the book is about, aside from the obvious, Training and Racing with with a Power Meter, and, and who it is for. <laughs>
0: Sure. Absolutely. So, uh, the, the, this is, uh, you know, this has uh, been a big evolution and it's been 10 years since we came out with the second edition, which is kind of a uh, mind boggling. We started thinking about, wow, 10 years. Um, but you know, things haven't changed a tremendous amount in 10 years. And, uh, the second edition really stood the test of time. And, uh, so, but, but we have had some changes. And so a couple of those things have been that, uh, There's been some new software changes where now we can uh, use that software, uh, and this is the new version of WKO, uh, to create some new metrics. So we have some new metrics that have come out, some advances in power training. Uh, And we have new power meters that have come out, left and right power meters. So now power meters measure independently left and right. And then uh, we've got... Uh, a new chapter on, uh, on you know, a revised chapter on triathlon, a new training plan for triathletes. Uh, I've got a training plan and a a new case study for master's riders, for riders over 35, 40. Uh, And then uh, we've got uh, a bunch of new workouts, you know, and and really went through a lot of the workouts. People love the workouts that are in the appendix and uh, just, you know, get tons of emails and thank yous for all those so we've got some great new workouts in there as well so it's a it's pretty pretty big review so and a new edition
1: yeah and I think it's really cool that you have the like workouts and and training plans in there to uh, to bring the bring together the theory and and the practical application of it which is always important and and not lead the reader with just this is the theory but now what but you actually have the the now what in there as well that's uh, that's really great so if we approach mm-hmm. this first from, from a few different angles and starting with the beginners to power-based training, is this book applicable for beginners that maybe just got their first power meter and don't know a lot about it? And, uh, and how, how do you recommend that they, I guess, consume the content in the book? Should, should it just be read cover to cover or is there a different approach depending on your level?
0: All right, great question. So it really is made for, for all levels. So if you've just bought a power meter or even thinking about buying a power meter, this is a, the perfect book for you uh, because the first four chapters into the fifth chapter as well is really all about like, oh, wow, I just bought a power meter. Now, what do I do with it? And what are the steps that I have to take in order to actually use this thing? So those are, are the basic core principles of power training. And, uh, you know, so, so things like finding your training zones, what is your functional threshold power, what are your strengths and weaknesses, um, how to actually go out and, and do some training and do some workouts using your power meter, uh, and then some, some analysis of this. So that's the, that's the great thing is that, like, wow, if you just read the first four and a half, five chapters then you, you're training with a power meter. You're doing it. And then after you know, using that power meter for a little while, it's like, okay, now what do I do with all this information and what do these squiggly lines mean? And so that's really what the next chapters are about is, is understanding those squiggly lines. How do we analyze this data? Uh, and then what do we, how do we build a training plan so that you peak when you want to peak? So it, it each chapter kind of builds on itself, takes you through as a beginner all the way to the end, and then the, the you know for the advanced user, I mean we've got some really advanced concepts in here that uh, people who've been using power meters for years that will really appreciate um, some of these advanced uh, advanced concepts as well. And uh, looking at wow, what is uh, gross power released? on the left leg versus the right leg if you're using an independent uh, you know, bilateral power meter. Uh, so, so it really goes all the way from, from okay, what do I do with this? To, <laughs> here's some really advanced concepts that, that you know, gets that other tenth of a percent out of you
1: yeah yeah okay perfect and for for those advanced users you mentioned a few of the metrics that you have that are now available in the new WKO uh, version so WKO4 uh, when you talk about the metrics that the advanced users can get into does that require basically using WKO4 or can the advanced users get a lot out of the book without necessarily using WKO4 but just looking at for example training peaks data or wherever they, they, re, they review their workouts. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So I think that, um, you know, the, uh, the, for, for the advanced users, I mean, it really is something that, uh, allows you to, to dig even deeper because, um, because again, there are some new metrics like what we call functional reserve capacity, all of the work that you do above your FTP. Uh, we have a, uh, you know, some really cool stuff, again, with that left-right pedaling data. Um, we've got some other things in there that, that the science behind, well, what is, you know, stamina? What actually, you know, how do you define stamina? We've always talked about it in, uh, in kind of a uh, obtuse, nebulous way, like, well, it's this kind of a thing. Uh, but now we really start to define what stamina is. And looking at, can you um, can you define
1: all, it for us because because I I don't know <laughs> what the definition for that is really I just see it in <laughs> WKO four,
0: right? Sure. So stamina. So we, we have is a, we have a curve that's called the power duration curve. So uh, when we look at all of your data, once we've collected enough data, uh, there's a curve that's created, and it's the curve of your bests. So what is your best for five seconds? For eight seconds? For two minutes? For twenty minutes? For four hours? And how what's your best wattage for that? And that curve we call the mean-maximal power curve. Mean being average, maximal being best, so average-best power curve. Then we came up with a curve that fits that. So we, we did a mathematical fit of that curve, and that's called the power duration curve. It looks at all the points along what you actually did and says, well, okay, you can do more here, you can do... Um, you know, and, and, how do we find the optimal place for you to train? It tells us a couple of different things, what, you know, automatically helps us to understand what kind of a rider you are and looks at the change in the slope of these curve of the curve at different areas. So stamina is the ability to per- continually produce power after an hour. So an hour we know is your functional threshold power. That's our, our, our you know, it's, it's our standard definition. You go out and do it as best you can for an hour. That's going to be your FTP. But what happens afterwards? Like how fast does your power degrade? How much does it go down afterwards? You know, if you hold 200 watts for an hour and then at two hours you can only hold 100 watts, wow, massive degradation in power. So your stamina is not very high. And so it looks mm-hmm. at the slope of that line out there. And if you, if you didn't have any degradation, let's say you did 200 watts for the rest of your life, never fatigued, right? Of course, impossible. But then your stamina would be 100. You know, it would be perfect, right? You never fatigue. And so uh, if you, if you, you know, degraded by 100 watts, half of that in uh, two hours, then it would probably be around 50, so that's what it looks at. Is every hour after that, how much is the slope of that line? Um, you know, what what is the what is that slope, and how much the percentage decrease uh, occurs? So, uh, you know, most of us are around the sixty to seventy to eighty range. Uh, when I see somebody who's got incredible stamina and they hardly their power doesn't decrease much at all from one hour out to five hours or something, you might see that they're in at like eighty seven range or something like this um so that's that's uh that's really what stamina is
1: okay yeah perfect definition and and i think that really helps a lot of people that may be using wko because there you cannot you can see it it's automatically calculated but uh, probably a lot of other people like myself haven't been able to tell exactly what it measures like yeah we know what it's supposed to measure but how does it measure it so so that was a very helpful explanation and and uh, and i guess makes it more concrete to to understand what what right. we're actually looking at and, and why it's useful and uh the other thing that i was uh going to follow up on there was that when you mentioned the, the different testing methods setting your zones your threshold and uh and all those things so that's something that i wanted to dig into a little bit like how do you recommend now currently people actually test their threshold or their different uh i guess maximum uh power numbers for different durations. What's what's the protocol that you recommend these days?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I still, I really like that the, the, uh, our normal, what we call our power profile test. I mean, it's really stood the test of time. Uh, it's it's still very valid. And, but, you know, I've had some changes in some of my thinking over the years as, as you know, we learn more and I learn more. Um, and so one of the things that I really like to, uh, to do now is, I do um it's really important to do the one-minute test first. All right, so your one minute is your uh anaerobic ability. So it is the ability to go as hard as you can for a short period of time, producing a lot of power. Now that's the greatest when you're fresh. So when you first warm up, you want to do that test first and get rid of that anaerobic ability, and that's then when you get a really good number. And then two, it's like, okay, we get rid of some of that freshness. Secondly, then I want to do some sprints because then during the neur- neuromuscular power, short, small ring sprints, a little bit longer, big ring sprints, then we see what we call your neuromuscular power, your best five seconds, or what in our new book we call it Pmax. So that's a great test. And then do the five-minute test, which is your VO2 max, Uh, and then that really helps us to understand how much power, how many watts can you produce while at your VO2 max. Finally, then you do your FTP test. Now the purpose of doing these three tests before one, you know, you got, okay, we're we're fresher and we do them. We do the short, we always do shorter intensity when we're fresher, but two, it's also to pre-fatigue you a little bit. So because what we've done is, is we've, You know, Okay, an hour is the gold standard for that FTP test, but it's hard to do an hour, uh, especially on a regular basis. So we cut that down to 20 minutes. And if you do the 20 minutes and you don't actually do at least a five-minute test beforehand, then your 20-minute is really inflated. Uh, And it could be inflated as much as 10%. But if you do the the one-minute, the sprints, the five-minute before, then do the 20-minute test. Then all of a sudden, now that twenty minute, you still got to knock about five percent off of it. Uh, but it's a much more accurate number and closer to what you're going to be able to maintain for an hour. Uh, so it's makes, really important that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and it's something that that we've been talking about recently on the podcast quite a lot on testing. And uh, and I use a couple of different methods to test my athletes. I use a software called Inside, which has same sort of thing like sprint test five or four minute test and 20 minute test. And, and that's one way of testing. But then for athletes that don't use that with the classic FTP test, what I've done is that I haven't really done all of those other tests before and rather adjust the the correction factor, I guess to 90% instead of 95 to get a more, mm-hmm. uh, more accurate or more, uh, more realistic estimate of the threshold. But what you're saying there, if you have actually done all those tests before, then that, that should pre-fatigue you enough probably that that 95% might make a lot more sense because I, I just think that one of the most common mistakes that I see people make in training is that in cycling training and triathlon cycling is having too high an FTP as a basis for for their training and doing everything a bit too hard but not necessarily doing enough work at at given intensities or at given intensity levels, if you if you know what I mean. But what you described there, that that should also, I think, definitely make sure that that problem doesn't doesn't really occur so i like that
0: yeah yeah and you know and 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 we wrote that in like even the first edition and we talked about that but that kind of got lost in a lot of people they were like well gosh i did my 20 minute test and i subtracted five percent and it's still really high compared to what i can do for an hour and you know they just kind of forgot the fact that well you really need to do these other tests first And if you don't do that, at least do a five minute, you know, where you just blow it out for five minutes, hard as you can go, uh, get rid of that anaerobic capacity. If you don't want to do the one minute in the sprints that day, well, and you just want to do your FTP, you still got to do the five minute, then do the 20 minute minus 5%. And again, it's going to be more accurate. Yeah, yeah. What sort of recovery in between those
1: various tests would you use in that testing protocol?
0: Yeah, so um, the one minute, you need some good recovery between that and the sprints. So at least a solid 10 minutes uh, of just kind of cruising around because you're going to use some of that. You want that phosphocreatine system to recover. Uh, You're not going to use a tremendous amount of that in your sprints, but you're going to use a little bit of that. And then between each sprint, and I recommend usually two to three sprints just to make sure that you're getting better and better. And a lot of times when I see the third sprint actually be your best sprint, a solid five minutes between those, and then a good five minutes between that, maybe 10 minutes between that and the five-minute interval. Now, once you've done the five-minute interval, you should be pretty solidly warmed up by this time. And you've also kind of gotten yourself into a rhythm at the end of that five-minute interval uh, with a high heart rate. So you don't want to lose that rhythm. So don't take really any more than five minutes after the five-minute test before you start your 20 Uh, because then you end up just well i got to find that rhythm again kind of get warmed up and and get that fighter get out of that fight or flight uh syndrome so uh i like to only take five minutes after that okay one one of the chapters that you mentioned there was about
1: uh, then going out and and starting to train with your power meter and something that i think is uh, is always an important topic is is how to use power and heart rate in in training so what's your take on that how how do you use power and heart rate together and uh, are there situations when you prioritize one over the other uh, can you elaborate on that
0: sure so i still think heart rate's an important metric right it still is still has importance number one it is what i call the intensity of your intention so it is how hard are, are you trying Right. So if somebody emails me a power file and the power number, the wattage goes up to 250 watts and stays there for an hour and then comes down, you know, I don't know if that was their FTP. I don't know if that was riding at their just endurance pace. I have no clue. But if they send me a power file, it goes to 250 watts and goes back down, and then their heart rate goes to 180 and stays there for the entire hour. Well, I know that they were probably riding at their FTP. They were trying really hard. And so it's the intensity of your intention, number one. Uh, number two, it is a good indicator of, well, it tells us a little bit about how the body's reacting to the training stimulus itself, because it is the response. Power's the training dose, and that is the response. So, okay, if your heart rate's not coming up, well, possibly you had some fatigue, uh, maybe you didn't sleep that great the night before, uh, quite possibly, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, whatever, there's other things in the environment are going on. Um, we also see the heart rate elevating towards the end of the ride. And there's a, a, a little metric that's pretty fun to use called uh, heart rate decoupling. And basically it looks at the first half of the ride and the relationship between power and heart rate. And then it compares that relationship between power and heart rate to the second half of the ride and says, well, gosh, you know, if that heart rate decoupling number is 20%, that means that the heart rate has gone up by 20% in the second half of the ride and as a relationship, as it relates to power as compared to the first half of the ride. So you may still be doing 200 watts for for the full or 250 watts for the full hour, but now In the second half of that hour, the last 30 minutes, you actually had to ride with your heart rate at 20% higher in order to do that same 250 watts, which could indicate fatigue. It could indicate you're just not that fit right now aerobically. It could indicate you're dehydrated. So there's lots of things that heart rate still apply and make a difference for
1: and that's an interesting metric actually and and we do get quite some questions about it what's uh, a good benchmark if there is one assuming that you you hydrate well and everything and and it's a fairly steady ride like can is there a, like test almost like uh you should go out and ride steady for a certain duration and and you should see that that heart rate decoupling should stay below a certain percentage do you, do you have any thoughts on that
0: Yeah, so I look at it, especially in the beginning of the season when athletes are building their fitness. Uh, And that's when I really put a lot of emphasis on it. Because what it does is it helps to tell me when the athlete should start training more intensely, when their aerobic base is built enough. So if you go out and you do a three-hour ride, and you really can't look at this metric unless it's longer than a -a two-and-a-half-hour ride, and it's got to include some solid tempo efforts at eighty uh, percent, maybe an hour of tempo. Even uh, it's great for you know that three hour, three and a half hour long ride. And then when I see that number over five percent, then I know that they they still have more aerobic fitness that they need to gain. I look at it at two different places. I look. I want to get it to ten less than ten percent because then I know okay they're really ready to do more intervals now they're ready to do more intensity they can ride right at their ftp they can do that vo2 max type work they can do anaerobic work their aerobic base is built but then i'm trying to get it down to that five percent number or less because then i really know wow we're maximizing uh your um your basically your aerobic system at that point so yes yeah, so i look at it that way
1: perfect okay so some of the, the topics, uh, a select number of topics that I wanted to d- dive into a little bit here. Uh, first, you mentioned case studies and training plans for Masters and triathlon. So can you describe a little bit for these two demographics, how does cycling training Uh, differ compared to like cycling training for non-masters non-triathletes in in general uh, and separately because these are different demographics like if we take like triathletes as one and then masters cyclists cyclists as the other demographic but but what differences do you make in if you have uh, coaching clients for example that you coach of these different demographics
0: well, of, of course, number one, we're always worried about recovery. So as we age, we, we don't rec- recover as quickly as we did when we we're 20 years old anymore. And that's just normal. Uh, and and so I think that we're always looking at recovery and making sure that, uh, you know, we're getting enough of that recovery in. So number one, depending on your age, uh, you know, how many workouts per week can you do? effective workouts? Can you do, you know, two during the week, you know, maybe Tuesday and Thursday, and then a really good strong one on the weekend, maybe that's Saturday, or maybe that's Sunday. Uh, So I think that that's a really critical piece to make sure that we've got enough time between the workouts themselves. And then, you know, I really want to make sure that I'm uh, doing uh, a giving them a rest week, you know, after uh, three weeks, sometimes even after two weeks, uh, other athletes may be able to go four weeks, uh, and, and that's just built into the plan, so we need to make sure that there's rest weeks. Now, for triathletes, we're trying to train three different sports, so it's very difficult to uh, make sure that, you know, hey, we're getting enough rest in because it is it is a, a, lot of, a lot of training to be done there, but the same principle applies in the fact that, well, you know, you're not as young as you used to be, and it does take more time to recover, so... You just don't want to go overdo it, and so we need to make sure that the intensity is very early in, in the week when you're freshest, and then we can taper off that intensity towards later in the week when you become fatigued, uh, but watching carefully what that is. There's a metric that we use in the performance manager chart we call the acute training load, and the acute training load is the training that you do have done in the past seven days. It really represents your fatigue. So how sore are my muscles right now based on what I've done in the last seven days? And we can adjust that uh, from, you know, to, to take into account your fatigue. So we've got some some guidelines in there to how do we adjust the acute training load uh, constants in order to say, oh, you know, we, we're not recovering as fast as we used to. Let's we'll make sure that we, we uh, you know, we still are... are recovering enough that we're going to be able to do the workouts that we want to do
1: right right so so are you saying actually that uh, and this is something that can probably be the constant can be changed in in training peaks right so so for the masters yes. users they they might use a different constant to to then be able to follow the acute train load chart the same way that uh, they're used to using it but it will now be scaled to to their different recovery needs exactly Exactly. Okay, great. Exactly. And, and when you mentioned the workouts, the, the Tuesday, first day and the weekend one, were those like the, the main workouts, the harder ones or just workouts in, in general in the week? How I wasn't, didn't quite understand how, how you approached that was, were those the key workouts or, or just in general workouts in the week?
0: Yeah. I mean, during the week, I like to do those, uh, key workouts during that time, because one, most of us have less time to train during that time. So it's like, okay, gosh, I can get out for an hour and a half or two hours or maybe two and a half hours and really focus and push myself. So that's the time when I schedule my athletes most intensity, uh, during that period. And, and that, again, that may be something that, uh, I'm, you know, it just depends on the athlete. What's uh, what what's what what are they gonna, you know, what, what do they really need uh for triathlete? That maybe let's just improve your FTP uh for uh you know somebody else. It may maybe what well, we need to focus on your sprint. Uh, it really just makes a, a, a uh, you know, it just it just depends on again what your um what your goals are
1: yeah yeah okay and, and speaking of improving ftp i know that uh, i think i saw that you have uh you have that as a section of workouts or and training plans actually it says here that in the book includes training plans to raise your functional threshold power so uh, just a without giving the training plan away but but some some key principles or types of workouts what were what your favorite types of workouts i guess to uh to use in that training plan is it uh, are you trying to Lift FTP from below or training right at FTP or going at it from going harder above FTP when in as the most important workouts when you want to improve an athlete's FTP?
0: Yeah, so I think that, I mean, there are different times in the season when you want to do a little bit of each of those things. So early on, I mean, one, we get a tremendous training. Uh, benefit from riding just below your FTP. It's much more doable. You can do it for a longer period of time. And we call that area the sweet spot. Uh, So training around, let's say 85 to 95, 88 to 93, it's somewhere in that range. Uh, You can ride there for a long period of time and you get a lot of benefit riding there. So I like doing a lot of work there because again, um, it's not on the limit. Now, there are times, though, when you need to do intervals right on the limit and at your FTP. Once once you've built this nice foundation of sweet spot work, then, okay, now I really want to bump up my FTP. I want to get to that next level. Then we need to start doing work right at your FTP and above, 105% even. Uh, And those are shorter intervals, 10 minutes minimum. You've got to do at least 10 minutes of work at your FTP in order to improve it. If you do it, you know, if you do five minutes at FTP, well, it's not really enough training stress to actually stimulate the body to improve and adapt your FTP. So we need to do 10 minutes minimum. And, but again, you can ride at 105% for 10 minutes solidly. Uh, So those are the times when we start to really push it as I get closer and closer to the athlete's peak. And then I start to begin to pull it up from the top by doing VO2 max work. Uh, And and I think that's another place that that, uh, a lot of people, especially triathletes, forget about. They they get sucked into just riding at tempo all day long or uh, doing some sweet spot intervals and never actually doing FTP intervals or doing VO2 max. But you absolutely can improve your FTP by doing VO2 max intervals and just make sure you're doing it at the right time.
1: Yeah, yeah, perfect. And what would be the total durations of work at intensity when you do a, a sweet spot workout and uh, a typical sweet spot workout and a typical 100 to 105% FTP workout.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, for me, like in in sweet spot, I'm trying to build up to uh, at least three times 20, if not four times 20 at sweet spot, um, you know, and that's, 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 that's totally doable. I mean, those, those are doable numbers. Give yourself a little break in between each one. Uh, and, and that's a good thing. Um, you know, but at this, at, at, when we're doing FTP work, not much more than, than 60 minutes at FTP is something that, that I really work for. Uh, and that may be four times 10 minutes, that may be three times 15 and maybe four times 15 and maybe three times 20, whatever it is. But, um, I want to make sure that I'm getting a solid 60 minutes at FTP. in. And, and again, it may, it's most likely not continuous. Okay. We're just going to go drill it for 60 minutes which you can i mean if you've got a spot to do that that's great uh but if you don't then uh that's that's okay so uh it just takes a little time to uh to get your body used to that and there's a mental component of oral as well of course you gotta be you gotta be up for it
1: oh yeah oh yeah and where might you start if you're not at that level yet like what would you start with maybe 40 minutes of work at ftp and uh, i don't know 50 60 minutes of sweet spot work before building up to those longer durations or wh- where is the starting point
0: yeah i you know i would start with uh, i mean i you know i may even start at 40 minutes i might just do two times 15 uh two times 15 at sweet spot would be a great place to start then go to two times 20 uh and then move to two times 30 so all of a sudden now it's like well now you're doing 60 minutes um so I think that's a, a great place to be. Then from there, now it's time to move on to uh, actually doing work at your FTP. And when you do work at your FTP, now it's, okay, well, can't, you've done 60 minutes in your sweet spot. You surely can do 40 minutes in your FTP. Uh, but if maybe you struggle at 40 minutes, you can knock it down to 30. So three times 10 minutes, uh, four times 10 minutes. Uh, then I would go, once you do four times 10 minutes, then I would go to three times 15 minutes, uh, well, five minutes more work. But again, you're, 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 uh, you're right at your FTP. Now you use uh, we have a guideline in the book that helps us to understand when we should stop doing intervals. And that's an important thing too. Uh, because if you do. Uh, you know, three times 15 minutes. And let's say, for example, the first one you do 250, the second one you do 246, the third one you do 230, it's like, well, gosh, you know, you failed on that third one. You weren't able to even reach the FTP numbers that you needed to reach. So you really should have not done that interval. Or maybe you should have just done one times 10 minutes and you could have held around 240, 245 for that 10 minutes. So it just kind of, it just depends a little bit on, uh, on, on that. So just, uh, keep that in mind.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But that, that's a great, great, overview. great to, to get that sort of progression. Uh, yeah, by the way, I did uh, four times 20 myself on uh Friday. We record here on a, on a Tuesday and, and last Friday I did my last really hard solid workout before a Saturday race I have coming up. So that was four times twenty at Sweet Spot, and it's uh, definitely one of my absolute favorite workouts. That that four times twenty minutes at Sweet Spot. Once you have built up to it and you feel feel good and feel that you can solidly hold there and and be strong throughout the workout, that's that's a good place to be. in. so I really like like that that workout as well. Uh, the next topic that i have here is uh you have you mentioned here that uh, one of the new things in the uh, in the third edition is the science behind the latest power training metrics so can you just give us an an overview of what that section of the book is about
0: sure so uh when we think about this this data again we're looking at the more um this power duration curve and what that does for us is it tells us about your individual abilities. And so um, early on, Dr. Coggan and I recognized that the the classic power training zones don't always fit everybody, especially above FTP. We found, uh, you know, if you just take, for example, VO2 max level five, that, that, that is generally between 106, 120% of FTP. That's the zone that's in the classic levels. But, Uh, So if we say, okay, well, that's between three and eight minutes, typically those are the kind of length of intervals that you would do. Uh, So right in the middle, five minutes, that's going to be right between 106 and 120, about 113, 115% of FTP. Well, we found some athletes who could do 150% for five minutes. And it was like, wait a minute here, time out. Um, 150%? That blows away what we had set. Know and and created these training levels that Andy Coggan created, so um, that was a clear indicator that we needed to to revise and look at some of these individual differences between the athletes. And so that's where this power duration curve came from, and that's where we were able to start to figure out what are these um, these differences. And once you got those figured out, then it's like okay, now we can start to uh, play with uh, some new metrics. Uh, and, and again, one we call functional reserve capacity. This is all of the, the work you can do above your FTP. So it includes a little bit of VO2 max, includes a little bit of anaerobic ability, includes a little bit of your neuromuscular power. Uh, and looking at it um, from a little different perspective, uh, we've got stamina involved there. We've got uh, PMAX, which is a uh, better, a little bit better than we used to look at, your best five seconds, because now power meters are a little better. We can measure power a little bit uh, more accurately at these short durations, and our software is a little better as well. So we can see your PMAX, which is your best wattage for one pedal revolution, both left and right legs. So those are great ones to look at as well. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's some uh, really good data in here now that showing it uh, makes a big difference for uh, um, for for all kinds of athletes, and, and definitely, you know, that individual nature is uh, is is something that you should check out.
1: Yeah, that that's very important. I, I think because uh, absolutely, I, we see it all the time that that you have those athletes that can go really, really hard in those shorter intervals compared to their ftp and and then some that have really struggled to hit 110% even for for a 3 minute interval so so it really does vary and and those individual levels in wko they're called the the i levels and mm-hmm. uh, this is again for those more advanced users perhaps uh a, a, i guess a, a a case of considering getting wko it's not for everybody of course but it's it's a good tool that uh, that if you're into that kind of stuff can can definitely help people and and the one thing that i will say about wko4 that is really amazing is that it's uh, in this day and age of software as a service wko4 is a one-time purchase which i love so it's not a monthly uh, recurring subscription so uh, there's a lot of of information a lot of those things that you mentioned there as well that that are available readily available in in wko4 just automatically pulling the data from your training peaks into there and then doing those calculations, the magic in the background and the athlete can then see and and make some, some inference about how their training is going and what they might need to do
0: to, to further their improvements. Yep, yep, exactly, exactly, exactly. Nope, perfect
1: so let's uh, wrap up here because one other thing in addition to training and racing with a power meter actually let's first any final words about the book because then i'm going to ask you about a, another topic that that i know that you're getting into in these last couple of years but but first to wrap up the training and racing with a power meter third edition uh, tell people where they should go to get it and uh, and if there is anything else that we missed that you want to mention about it
0: well, of course, you can get it on Amazon. That's always a good, easy place to get it. Um, I do have about 50 more copies uh, that have been signed by all three authors, Dr. Steve McGregor, Dr. Andy Coggin, and myself. Uh, so you can go to ShopPeaks, S-H-O-P-P-E-A-K-S, ShopPeaks.com, and uh, check it out right there. And, uh, yeah, I've got, like, 50 more copies. So the next 50 folks who uh, get one, they get an autograph by all three authors.
1: That's, uh, that's a big, big incentive to go and get them. And uh, I just hope that I get this interview out. I have a couple scheduled already. So this will be a few weeks after we actually have the interview, but uh, maybe there will be some left. So definitely hurry up to go and, and get those. And, and the final question that I have is uh, you're doing a lot of work with the Leomo Type R, which I actually talked quite a lot about with Sebastian Weber on a recent interview as well. But from your perspective, can you give us the one minute overview of how you use uh, this device in, in your coaching?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the Type R is a great uh, new device that measures the motion of both your foot angular range, which helps to understand how the foot moves, and also can look at what's called your dead spots where you're not producing power um, effectively, uh, your leg angular range, your uh, torso, and also your pelvic movement. So I look at it, I use this data, one, to help understand where is an athlete's dead spot in their pedal stroke, uh, a lot of people, especially who are, they don't start producing power soon enough on the, on the, on the stroke. So maybe they start producing power at 2.30, so to speak, uh, and instead they should be getting, you know, producing more effective power at 1 o'clock on the pedal stroke. So we can adjust for that. Uh, and we can also see, uh, you know, some fit issues as well. So remotely very easily I can, you know, an athlete goes out, get some, the motion analysis data. I can see a little bit about what's going on from their fit perspective. And then from the, the pelvic and torso data, I can see how much rocking is going on. Uh, if their hips are rocking, if their upper body's moving back and forth, if they're rotating as well. Uh, and then this helps me to, uh, quiet that and reduce some of that wasted energy uh so they certainly make uh, a difference it's a really useful tool uh and i think that uh we'll start to see more more information from that as well
1: so two quick follow-ups on that one how do you if you see that an athlete uh, starts to produce power too late in their pedal stroke they have too big of dead spot how do you minimize that what's the the training intervention or intervention in general that you that you use
0: yeah. So first off, I mean, one the you, you know the, the one of the biggest things that you have to do in order to change something is you have to be aware of it, right? So just bringing the awareness to the athlete that there is a, a problem helps to change it. Uh, number two, if we can uh, get an athlete to start producing power earlier, then that is really has to be with five minute focused practice sessions where they do five minutes at a time because it's very difficult to to stay focused for more than five minutes especially when you're changing a habit pattern a movement pattern Uh, and then i have them uh, start to visualize and use their intention to drive their knee to the handlebar like see if you can actually hit your knee to your handlebar now of course you can't do this because you're attached to the pedals but it gives you the intention of getting on the pedal stroke sooner than later. Uh, and that's one of the ways that you can really start to, uh, to, to change that. But again, maybe you go out for a two-hour ride and you do five times five-minute practice sessions where you're not really trying to do anything but just get that leg so that it's driving over top of the pedal stroke. Uh, and that, would, that can make a difference.
1: All right, and, and then the same question for uh, if you're rocking in the saddle, uh, I guess the same sort of thing there. That the awareness is, is the, one of the big things, of course. Is there anything else in addition to having the awareness that you are actually rocking in the saddle that you can do to, to help with that?
0: Yep, 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 yep. That, I mean, that, that's where the, the, you, know, you can basically look at the metrics on the head unit itself and say, okay, hey, how can I quiet this upper body? And, and then through just, just that biofeedback of, of seeing it happen right there by real time, you can start to uh, prevent the pelvic rock and rotation and start to stabilize uh, the pelvis a little more so that you're just focusing on the hips and leg, produce power. Right. Okay.
1: Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much, Hunter. We have already, in your previous interview, episode 103 – that we'll link to in the show notes as well com forward slash tts103 we have covered the rapid fire questions that i ask all guests so i won't ask them this time but uh, one more call to action where should people go and follow you and and the peaks coaching group uh, social media website all the places where people can can and should follow you feel free to plug them here
0: Absolutely, yeah. So uh, check out our coaching website, peakscoachinggroup.com. We've got fifty coaches now who work here at Peaks, and uh, they're amazing coaches, all the way from beginners to uh, you know the, the best in the world. So any athlete we can work with, uh, and they're of course training with power meter experts, so uh, they're they're they know all the new metrics and all the latest and greatest things. Uh, and then if you'd like a copy of my book, check out shop peaks.com that's a great place to do that uh our facebook page is Peakscoachinggroup.com or peaks Coaching group on facebook my twitter is hunter peaks and same thing with my instagram hunter peaks so uh check those two things out and uh you'll be following us
1: brilliant thank you so much hunter it was a pleasure talking to you absolutely thank you I hope that you enjoyed that interview with Hunter as usual you can find the show notes for it on thattriathlonshow.com click through to episode 184 and you'll also find in the show notes the link to the previous interview that I did with Hunter which was uh, training with power meters for triathletes in episode 103 and for more cycling related episodes in general I want to remind you that you can go to scientifictriathlon.com go to more in the menu bar and popular topics and then click cycling and that will open up a list of all the cycling related episodes that I've done on the podcast so far the next Monday episode of course we have a Q&A as usual on Thursday but next Monday we will have a follow-up Q&A like specialized Q&A on polarized training so as you remember if you're a regular listener uh, I interviewed Steven Seiler in back in a couple of months ago I guess and that gave rise to a lot of questions so I did a Q&A on that specific topic and I got even more questions so I will now do another Q&A about the topic of polarized training and then I think that's it for for that specific topic for a while but there were quite a few questions that still weren't really covered so I do want to revisit that topic and that's coming out next Monday Finally, as I talked about, I want to uh, take the opportunity here to to highlight some uh, race successes of athletes and training plan users. And uh, this time I want to congratulate Bruce in the UK, who used the beginner Olympic training plan as well as the uh, strength training plan that I have. And he used the training peaks versions. So uh, Bruce wrote me an email saying, first race done over the weekend, the Marlowe Olympic distance triathlon. I was nervous on the day and didn't feel great in my body with a lot of tightness but the race went smoothly and I was pleased with my time of 2.49 which uh, put me at 67th out of 132 total finishers. I felt my pacing was good, I kept a consistent pace and was able to finish each leg strongly getting faster in the last half of each leg. I followed your program consistently and felt like all the training went very well and was really enjoyable. I made some small alterations like switching some of the days around because of work and other commitments and I followed a swim program given to me by coach Julian Nagi, who you recommended me to see for video analysis but I was swimming twice per week as per your program. The beginner Olympic program is uh, a fantastic training plan and supplemented by the information on your website and podcasts it is everything one needs to know. Thank you so much Bruce for the great feedback and big congratulations on finishing your first Olympic in a really good time and a really well executed race with those negative splits in each leg that is uh, fantastic work on your part so big congratulations for that. Thank you as well to our sponsors, Roca, that you can find on roca.com. Get 20% off your entire order, whether it's wetsuits, uh, sunglasses, goggles, swimskins, uh, tri-suits, with the promo code TTS, all caps. And thank you to Precision Hydration, that you can find on precisionhydration.com. Get your first box or tube of electrolyte product for free with the promo code that triathlon show all one word, all caps.